words in that video. God's presence in our darkest moments, we all have them, don't we? Uh, maybe, maybe right now in your life, it's one of the darkest moments that you've ever experienced. Maybe you can think back to a darkest moment. We, as I said, all have them. And in those moments, many times, we wonder if we can keep on going. I mean, haven't we all had that moment in time where we just wanted to crawl up in the fetal position and lay in bed and not get out and, and just sort of wish it would all go away? We can't explain it. We feel defeated. We feel worn out. We feel like the world is against us and no one is for us. I wonder what are your darkest moments? Maybe you are emotionally numb, or, or even worse, you're so torn up you don't know what to do with all of the emotion. Maybe you feel overworked, underpaid, and equally unappreciated. I know a lot of teachers that kind of feel that way right now. All of this new stuff, all this extra time, how am I going to get it all done? Discouragement, exhaustion, impatience, feeling unappreciated, weakness. Maybe you feel attacked. Maybe, maybe you're suffering from an experience and you're just like, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what to do. Some are physically challenged. They can't do the things that they used to do. Or maybe there's a, a, a disease or a sickness that they're uh, experiencing right now and they just don't know what to do with it. Uh, maybe it's loneliness. There may be people watching us this morning that that is pretty big in front of them right now. They're just, they're just lonely. I mean, I've experienced many of those feelings in the last three or four months. There has been moments where I just, I was tired and anxious and just, I don't know, discombobulated. Is that even a word. I don't know if that's even a word, but we say that often. I mean, I've felt that way. I mean, we all kind of feel that way because we just wish things were normal or what we refer to or thought of as normal six months ago. Not that normal was the best, but that's what we were in routine-wise, habit-wise, life-wise, and, and now it's a lot different, and so there are all of these underlying emotions and feelings. I, I wonder what your darkest moments are. And you can't have a conversation these days, not one without COVID-19 rearing its ugly head, right? I mean, it's like every conversation we have, it it, it, it turns into a conversation about the pandemic. Um, I talked to someone on Friday who is still recovering from it, and the after effects have been bad. I mean, it's not been good for him. He said, you don't want this. Um, I've read personal stories of family members who lost someone to COVID. That's a dark moment for them. And whether you believe we haven't done enough to fight it or you believe that we've gone overboard completely, it's created anxiety and uneasiness. 
maybe even a darkest moment for you. Public health actions, such as social distancing, can make people feel isolated. I mean, it's like we don't even know how to interact with each other anymore, right? You, you, you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, it's like, well, do I shake their hand? Do I just say hi? Do, you know, and sometimes you'll extend a hand to shake it and the person steps back. It's like, it's just, it's just. And with all of that, isolation and loneliness can increase our stress and our anxiety. And the lasting impact on our lives is, is going to be monumental. Now, it's not to say that that's only a negative lasting consequence because there is good in this. Uh, we, our safety and security and comfort has been challenged in the last six months. And, and, and maybe we're coming to realize that I thought I was in control of my life, which was a lie if that's what you believed, and now I actually know I'm not. I'm not even anywhere close to in control of my own life. But it has brought on some of our darkest moments. Now, out there in the world... Across the planet, uh, what are the darkest moments right now? Sex trafficking has gotten a lot of press here lately. It's a problem, a dark problem. Child pornography, rape, political divisiveness, and name-calling. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Murder. Rioting and looting, selfishness. Abortion, abuse, racism, substance addiction, darkness, sin. And I only wish all of those things were out there as I point outside the building and none of us in here have been influenced by any of those things. But I'm guessing that most of us have. We've been touched by, by some of that darkness in some way, shape, or form. What have been your darkest moments? And the bigger question that looms is this. What do we do in those darkest moments? Where do we go when we find ourselves in a dark moment? Who do we turn to? We're going to talk about that today. Who do we listen to? Now, you know what we need, right? We need grace. We need grace. We need to experience grace, God's grace. And my question to you this morning is, how much have you been thinking about grace lately? What has been on your mind lately? What have you spent the majority of your time thinking about lately? Has it been grace? Or something else. Grace, the free and unmerited favor of God. The free and unmerited favor of God. It doesn't feel like we've received a lot of favor lately, does it? I mean, every time you're turning around, you're saying, well, leave it up to 2020, and that's not a good thing. Right? I don't know when the last time was that we got a 
harsh cold snap in the first week of September, but it seems like, right, it's got to be 2020. I mean, I came across my phone this morning. Laramie is under a winter storm watch. Seven inches of snow, possibly, Monday night through Tuesday, the end of Tuesday. I, I, I messaged my daughter yesterday a picture of a screenshot of my phone, 101 degrees. She's in Waco, Texas. It was more comfortable in Waco than it, is, than it was here yesterday. And again, we think, well, it's, it's got to be 2020. Or is it? I think the weather thing is just Wyoming, personally. It's the state we live in. It's this way all the time. But since we're hypersensitive to bad things right now, every little hitch, right? It's like, well, you know, because that's what we're thinking about. But what if we thought about grace every day? What? I'm getting ahead of myself. Free and unmerited favor. Grace is often thought of mostly in terms of salvation and forgiveness. When we think of the grace of God, when we think of receiving something that we don't deserve, that is grace, that is salvation, that is forgiveness. But grace really does go much deeper than that. And I think we're going to see that in the next four weeks. Grace is available to us and can be experienced on a day-in and day-out basis. It isn't a one-time thing. Grace, experienced and received from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This was constantly on the mind of the Apostle Paul. I haven't used this phrase in a long time, but... Paul was a Christ-intoxicated man. Paul was deeply and heavily influenced by Jesus Christ every day of his life after he met Jesus. He was under the influence of Jesus. Everything Paul did was influenced by the gospel. Everything Paul taught was informed by the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life from the moment of belief. Not just when we die and go to heaven but from that moment hope, peace, grace, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified in our place. Risen and coming again. Amazing grace. When Paul needed encouragement because he was in a dark time, who did Paul turn to? Where did Paul turn? The gospel. In good times, where did Paul turn? Who got the praise? Jesus Christ. The gospel. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul sums up for the Ephesians what I'm talking about this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible or you don't have your Bible app with you, grab a Bible from underneath the seats there.
If you're at home, stop what you're doing, grab your Bible, and follow along with us. Ephesians chapter 3. We're only going to be focusing on the, the, the last eight verses of this chapter for the rest of the series, but I want to read the whole chapter this morning. For this reason, so Paul's been talking for two chapters about what he's kind of summing up right here. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, that's probably every one of us in this room and those who are listening, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already briefly written in other letters and in this letter. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. To this point, they didn't know this mystery. And and this isn't mystery as in something that can't be figured out. This is is a mystery as in something that was being withheld from them. This mystery is, Paul says in verse 6, that through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for the forgiveness of sin, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am Less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration, the giving of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, the time is now, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, in him and through faith in him, we approach God with freedom and confidence. Man, who doesn't want freedom and confidence today? I do. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you. Paul is writing this in prison. And the people are like, well, if Paul's in prison, what does that mean for the rest of us? I mean, our leader, our our, uh, teacher um, is in prison. What's going to happen now? Paul's like, look, don't be discouraged by this. Do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It is not about us. We are not in charge. We are not in control. He is. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Grace. At the end of chapter 3, Paul prays a prayer. And what we pray for is a window into what is important to us. It's a window into maybe what we are struggling with. And Paul here, at the end of chapter 3, is pouring out his soul on behalf of the Ephesians. He prays that what he has been teaching them will become a greater reality in their lives. This is my prayer for you as well. This is my prayer for our church. It is my desire for myself. God teaches us many things during the dark moments that we live in our life. A couple of months ago, I especially needed to hear this truth that we're going to hear today. And, and the Holy Spirit just laid it out right there at my feet. It encouraged me immensely that day. And my prayer is that you will be encouraged immensely through this series. Over the next four weeks, we're going to focus on this last eight verses of Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to encourage you to do this. Whether or not you do this regularly and, and whether or not you've done this before and regardless of whether you think you can even accomplish it. But I want to challenge all of us to memorize the last eight verses of Ephesians chapter 3. Memorize it. I also want to encourage you to make Paul's prayer your prayer. I want you to make Paul's prayer your prayer. Allow the, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak its truth into your life and into your soul. And as you pray it, may you pray it on behalf of yourself, but also on behalf of those people that you know and love. Those people who are in your circles of influence. I want you to preach it to your soul the last eight verses of Ephesians chapter 3. What would happen if we woke up every morning of the rest of our life and reminded ourselves of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? We need to remind ourselves of the gospel every day. It's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to get used to it and, and maybe even subconsciously Stop thinking about it because it's, it's become so familiar. I mean, years ago, I checked the I believe in Christ box. And maybe you've moved on. Because aren't there deeper and more important things, or maybe not more important, but as important things for us to know and remember and learn? Deep theolo theology, 
you know, onto more mature subjects. But we need to hear the gospel every bit as much today as the day we heard it for the very first time. And maybe there are some who are watching today who will hear it for the first time today. Our lives feel like they're out of control so much today because they are. And they always have been. Um, One thing dark moments do is remind us that we are not in control. We get lulled into thinking that. We get comfortable. We get safe in that feeling, and we forget the gospel. What if we reminded ourselves of the gospel every morning? We wake up and we live in grateful joy that the the toughest battle that we could ever fight has already been won for us. Because there is a disease that everybody has. And, And it's the toughest fight of our life, of our eternity, in fact. It's called sin. How different would our lives be if we preached the gospel to our own hearts on a regular basis? There are dozens of ways the gospel positively impacts and shapes our everyday lives, and and my prayer for us during this series is that we will be reminded, that we will be reminded of the benefits and blessings that God has given us, because other things, hard things, can, can crowd those out and we begin to think of those things instead of the good things. And that we would grasp more and more God's powerful impact on our life. Too many believers think that the good news is old news. I've heard it. I know it. I've believed it. You know, I went forward, I prayed a prayer, they handed me a life insurance policy, an eternal life insurance policy, I put it in a drawer, I think I could find it. But then we moved on. We haven't heard the gospel too much. We haven't heard it enough. Now you think, but Pastor Dave, if you only preached about Jesus crucifixion and resurrection every Sunday, people would stop coming to church. Well, really? When is the last time you saw a really beautiful sunset? Maybe the last couple days? You know, there is one thing, there is one positive effect of smoke in the atmosphere. It just, oh, and, and pictures don't do it justice, right? How many, how many sunsets? I say sunsets because almost all of us are up for a sunset. Not all of us are up for a sunrise. Okay. Um, does it get old? How many sunsets have you seen in your life? Hundreds? Thousands? And I'll bet every time you see a beautiful one, you don't go, ah, I've seen that before. No, you sit and you watch it. And you are in awe of, oh, oh, I've never seen, like, Wednesday night, uh, my wife and I watched the sunset from about 800 feet above the ground. 
And the, the, the later and later it got, the deeper orange it got, and the darker orange it got, and the more beautiful it got. And Laramie Peak was in the distance behind it. And then, and then actually, just before we were getting ready to land, my wife goes, hey, it's the moon, it's coming up. We got to fly around out here a little bit longer so we can watch the moon come up. So we did that too. Oh, I tried to take pictures, but there's no way. It was big and it was orange and it was like it was right there in front of us. Does it get old? No. Here's what I'm saying. The gospel is so much greater news and so much more beautiful than any sunrise or sunset. And if we don't get tired and bored of those, why would we get tired and bored of the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, the grace of God, unmerited favor and blessing. As we focus on Paul's prayer, we're going to be reminded of all that God has done for us. And I've, I believe that we will find that the gospel fuels and motivates our desire to, to be in relationship with him, to commune with him all day long, to to serve him, to be obedient to him. When we see how much he has done, how much he has given us in in Jesus, change happens. And even while we are weak and feeble sinners who experience dark moment after dark moment and we're struggling to follow a perfect Savior, the gospel reminds us of how loved we are and how much God is working in us. Wow. Amazing grace. There is no greater need in our Christian life than regularly reminding our hearts of the truth of the gospel. Listen to this story of a man named Mr. Bai. He was a professor at Beijing University, which is known as, I guess, the Harvard of China. He made a joke in class about the Communist Party to a group of students one day. One of those students reported his joke to the police. The next day, officers burst into Mr. Bai's office and brought him to a remote, cold communist prison without warning, without trial. He woke up that morning as a professor, chairing one of the most prestigious academic positions in the world. By nightfall, he was behind bars in prison. Chinese prisons at this time, probably still, were some of the worst places on earth. Horrible layers of disease, torture, and death. Talk about a dark moment. Mr. Bai quickly plunged into depression and despair. His depression led to thoughts of suicide over the course of weeks. One afternoon, in a cloud of sadness, he brought himself to the window of his eighth-story prison cell. Now, the Chinese didn't put windows... uh, didn't put bars on the windows in the higher floors of the prison cells because they figure if they jump out and die, no big deal, right? We don't have to feed them anymore. Not a problem. Mr. Bai's heart raced as he looked out and and he thought of jumping. And then it happened. He heard a small voice. It said, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. He sat down in the middle of his cell, desperate. What, What is happening? And there on the hard concrete floor, memories flooded his mind. A friend of his, a foreign professor who was a Christian, had shared the gospel with him. Mr. Bai prayed, Jesus, if you are real, 
Please bring this forgiveness and peace my friend told me you promised. And in turn, which this often happens, we feel like we need to cut a deal or something, right? We feel like we have to do something in return even though grace is unmerited. He said, in turn, I will offer my life and service to you. He looked up and he said, the sky was never bluer, the sun was never brighter through the open hole of a window, and I had joy rise up inside my heart like I have never felt before. Grace. This distinguished professor threw all his reservations away and in that moment started to shout, I have a bright future in Jesus Christ. Look, he's not even in prison because of his faith, which is what you would normally think would happen in a communist country. But he got faith in prison. The guards heard him and they cruelly told him, to be quiet, but his joy could not be contained. He kept shouting it over and over until they came into his cell and beat him. A person in a prison freed by believing the gospel of Jesus is freer than any person outside of a prison without the gospel. Let me read that again. A person in a prison freed by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ is freer than any person outside of prison without the gospel. Mr. Bai was eventually released and started several orphanages in the interior of China, caring for the poor and leading many to Christ. He had a bright future in Jesus Christ. And today, as the story goes, his joy is infectious when you meet him. And he will tell you the joy he had in prison is the same joy that he has today and will have tomorrow. All of us feel at times like we're in a prison. Maybe this darkness feels like that. And and it's either due to dark circumstances in our world, or it can also be of our own making. Trapped by thoughts, habits, actions, and a nagging past that will not let go. The gospel reveals to us that the worst of all prisons is the one that we often make for ourselves. with our insecurities, with the deep awareness that something is not right inside us, that that something is deeply broken. We carry with us, we carry this with us like chains around our necks. It's the human condition. And this will only change if something drastic happens and the gospel is the most drastic of measures. It's a bloody cross. It's the death of God himself for our sake. It's the utter smashing defeat of death itself in a glorious resurrection to show God's love and power throughout all eternity. I mean, we would like to think that God just snapped his fingers and the consequences and the pain and the destruction of sin just disappeared, but that's not what happened. All of that destruction and pain and consequence was heaped on the shoulders of Jesus Christ before he took his last breath. And we experience grace because of that. You see, the gospel smashes the darkness. 
And when we believe, we have been freed from prison. Hebrews 2, 1 reminds us that we must pay close attention to what we have heard, especially when it comes to the gospel. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away because we forget or we get bored or we think it's old news, even though it's the greatest news of all time. If tomorrow you woke up and all over the headlines of the news, there was a report that said, COVID-19 is gone. It miraculously disappeared from the planet. Would that be good news? And as good news as you think that would be, it still wouldn't be the greatest. But would we experience it that way? The gospel is the greatest news ever. It's the most important sermon that you will ever preach to your own soul and to your own heart is the gospel. Daily reminding your heart that you have a bright future in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, His grace, you will experience and be encouraged by God's presence even in your darkest moments. Our souls need training in this. Lots of training goes on every day in our world. Some of it's not that great. I'm giving you some training this morning that is good and that we need to engage in every day. Our souls need trained. We need to train our soul to love God. One of the primary ways we train our souls to love God is by preaching the gospel to our own souls. The more our soul sees the cross of Christ, the more gratefulness and adoration and peace will well up within us. Several months ago when I, when I read that passage, those eight verses, I, I can't explain it, but it was, like, it was like I had just heard the best news that I had heard in a long time. My spirit was raised. My shoulders felt a little lighter. God spoke to me. The more our soul sees the cross of Christ, the more gratefulness and adoration and peace will well up within us. Humans are conditioned to respond that way to sacrifice, it seems. I mean, if you've watched movies or if you know of someone who, who sacrificed something for someone else, it moves us, doesn't it? I mean, somebody pushes somebody else out of the way of a moving train and they get run over. We, we are impressed or moved by their self-sacrifice. You might even watch a movie sometime where there is some fake show of sacrifice and you're moved to a tear i've never cried at a movie but that might have been a fib i mean it would be difficult to imagine a greater sacrifice than what jesus did right we didn't deserve it we don't deserve it we never will deserve it but still 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is that? That's part of the gospel. If you travel the world, there's one phrase that, will almost universe, that almost universally resonates across every kind of culture. It's the familiar line from Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David is training his soul. No, David is preaching truth to his soul in the writing of, of many of his psalms. Even after he pours out his sadness and frustration to God, at the end of even those psalms, when you're just like, wow, he's telling God that? Is that okay? Even at the end of those psalms, David will remind himself of the goodness of God. He's training his soul. David told his soul how to feel and how to respond to the gospel. Soul, bless God. Bless God. Whether you want to or not, bless God. He was not just singing a pretty line. He was talking to himself, challenging his soul to step up. I think this is a discipline that we must all practice on a daily basis. It doesn't happen naturally. Your schedule doesn't just, you don't just wake up in the morning and go, oh, look at all this time I have to spend with the Lord today. It doesn't happen that way. It has to be intentional. We have to do this intentionally. And it's up to you. I don't care how old you are in this room. It's up to you. Your parents can't do it for you. If you're an adult, your parents can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. It's up to you. Pastor Ty once said, um, we can't make, you can't make a horse drink, right? We've all heard that before. You can't make a horse drink water. And oftentimes we just stop, stop there, but Ty, Ty used to always say, but you can feed him salt. I guess that's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to feed you a little bit of salt that you recognize that this darkness that's in your life that is often in our lives is it's like salt. Use it to make yourself thirsty for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we've got to look, we have to look to the cross. Jesus suffered incredibly for a sin that he never committed. All on your behalf. All on my behalf. So that we could rejoice greatly in a righteousness that we never deserved. Grace. And the gospel becomes daily food for our souls strengthening our hearts. I mean, it's so much easier to complain and feel sorry for ourselves than, and, and be filled with anxiety when our souls, but, but when our soul sees the blood running down the face of Jesus, the thorn-pierced face of Jesus, doesn't gratefulness just kind of well up inside? That is an incredible 
act of grace. Grace. What's so amazing about grace? That God would give us so much through Jesus Christ and illuminate it on a daily basis through the Holy Spirit. As the worship team comes up, it's for that reason that I want you to memorize those last eight verses. So that on any so that any time of the day you could realize and recognize that 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 you're that you're feeling broken, that you're that you're in darkness, and you can preach to your soul the truth of the gospel. That's what Paul wanted for the Ephesians. That's what God wants for us. That we would be moved that we would not just only know that in our head. I don't know if it's a Baptist thing or if it's a Swede thing. But it's like, I live up here a lot. Not as much as I used to, mind you, but I live up here a lot. If it's black and white, cut and dried, great. I mean, when I went to seminary, I wanted them to tell me This is the truth. This is what you believe. This is what you teach. And that's not what they did. And I was really frustrated with it. But it's all a part of our journey. But, you know, those mountains aren't going to climb themselves. And those views from the top are not going to be seen unless we take that first step. And the first step I'm asking you to do this week and for the next four weeks is to memorize Paul's prayer. And may we preach the gospel to our souls and see that that doesn't show us God's presence in the darkness. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've revealed the mystery. Thank you that we live in generations that that you have brought it to light. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being patient. Lord, I, I pray that, that we would be encouraged by today, that, that we would, yeah, continue to admit that, we're at, that, that life is out of control, but that's, that's really the way it's always been. We're just, just kind of knowing it now. Help us to trust the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.